Welcome back to a CoinGeek Conversation special. This week we'll be travelling through our archives, hitting on conversations we've had with visionaries in the BSV space. Later on in the show, we'll be hearing from RelayX founder Jack Liu and Brendan Lee of Elas Digital. But first up, it's Lorian Gamarov, CEO and co-founder of Centbee, a BSV payments and remittance company. CoinGeek's Charles Miller had a great chat with Lorian in 2019, where he shared his hopes for what Bitcoin can achieve in developing countries. You were born in Zimbabwe. And obviously for anyone brought up in Zimbabwe, money is a very, very important issue in their lives, I suppose, isn't it? I mean, how did that affect you? Well, that was uh, really what got me thinking about money in general um, during the 2008 crisis. I mean, this was before the global financial crisis. You know, the Zimbabwe dollar died catastrophically. And um, that really got me interested in, in, in the whole idea of money and where it comes from and what gives it value and how is it possible that uh, currency can become hyperinflated. And, uh, you know, we also had, uh, um, I mean, I had family that uh, was uh, impacted by it. And uh, so that really got me thinking uh, from uh, the whole, about the whole economics of money, you know, where it comes from. And, and um, uh, then, uh, then also uh, at, this, at that time, I was building out uh, payment systems for smart grid, uh, electricity grids. And uh, we had a lot of people from uh, other African countries in Southern Africa, South Africa, where I was living at the time. And, uh, you know, so uh, this idea of Bitcoin kind of just landed in front of me. And, um, you know, it, it seemed like such a wonderful solution for a country like Zimbabwe. Um, this idea of a sound digital money. You know, the first Except time- that the, the sort of volatility of Bitcoin probably was sort of rivaled only by Zimbabwe's own currency. <laughs> well, you know, uh, having gone through that hyperinflation, it was, uh, it, it, you know, it was tolerable in comparison. You know, right. something that could go up 10% a day, that's nothing. Right. Uh, or down. So, you know, but of course, you know, uh, as well, you could see that it's a, a, a technology that it's, is still in its infancy. You know, there's a lot of uncertainty around it, uh, specifically from uh, in, in the regulatory environment. You know, regulators are, are still trying to get to grips with it. But, um, uh, you know, and also, uh, I, I know I remember the 90s, you know, I was a computer science student and uh, there were how the Internet was being born and it was confusing and nobody understood it and complicated. But, um, you know, I, I saw how that all unfolded and I felt like, well, here we have another technology. It's in its infancy. It's uh, confusing to most. Um, it's based on on a sound economic thinking, uh, which is something that I was suddenly aware of. And I just thought, well, you know, if this unfolds in the same way as the internet, then, uh, then there must be a possibility that this will change the world. And uh, so, you know, there were a lot of different things that uh, got me really excited about it. Um, but of course, it was specifically around, um, you know, the idea that people can use this and uh, obviously as sound money, but as a digital payment method that has very low barrier to entry, it means that you know, people can now pay for things that they they couldn't before. So, you know, we we were building um, uh, electricity vending systems, but we had a lot of customers who who didn't have bank accounts, and um, you know, if they ran out of electricity and they wanted to go and buy it, um, they would they would have to go find a vendor. Uh, most of the time, they used cash, uh, which was uh, increased the costs. Uh, and um, I thought, well, Bitcoin would be a perfect solution for that. So, I built Bitcoin into our vending system at that time. 
but um, the company wasn't that excited about it. I think Bitcoin at that stage was tainted with the idea of Silk Road and how people were mm. using it for all these different things. But then you were, you were hoping that people in other places around the world would be able to sort of crowdfund energy to some African schools and so on. Is that- yeah, so then uh, once uh, you know, I, I realized I couldn't carry on with this uh, commercial company doing this, I started thinking of other ways uh, to, to, uh, to use Bitcoin. And uh, I founded a company called Banky Moon, which, which was essentially an advisory company, a consulting company. And uh, I spent a lot of time at conferences talking to people about the potential use cases of Bitcoin. But, uh, you know, this idea of being able to... Uh, create some kind of organization, a charity organization that uh, can make uh, use of payments much more efficiently than organizations do today, you know, where uh, a a donor can directly fund the needs of some little African school uh, by paying uh, Bitcoin for energy. I just just thought that was such a great use case. Cut out all the infrastructure of big... NGOs. Yes, it uh, means that there's no uh, or very little admin costs. There's no corruption. Uh, you know, all the payments are, are visible and, uh, and 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 go directly to the meter and purchase the energy. There's no waste. Uh, so it, it just seemed like such a nice way for a donor to to donate to a cause they believe in without having to worry about where is that money in fact going? Is it being spent on the thing that I I want to spend it on? And um, then I decided to stop talking about that and actually uh, create that. And uh, so then we set up this whole pilot and we showed uh, how it would work and so on. So that was uh, something that I was quite passionate about. Mm. And I thought that, um, you know, there was a, a positive use case about Bitcoin that we could present to people and say, look, it's not just for drug dealers and money launderers, you know, uh, uh, and that's why I wanted to speak on the virtue of, of uh, such a thing. Inspirational listening to Lorian Gamarov there. It's always great to hear from those in the Bitcoin SV ecosystem who are using this technology to improve lives. Next up, we'll be hearing from Jack Lou, the man behind Cambrian SV, Float SV, and Super Wallet Relay X. In this interview, Jack explains what attracted him to Bitcoin and how he hopes micropayments can revolutionize the way we live. And now you've gone off and done your own thing. Why did you decide to do that? And, and what was your sort of vision for the next part of your career? I felt uh, a certain kind of calling. Um, you know, I had certain goals or visions I had for Bitcoin when I first discovered Bitcoin in 2013. Uh, that was a wow moment for me where I thought, uh, if you look at what was already happening between 2009 to 2013, I projected forward that by now, you know, almost entering 2020, we will see a lot of the things that I'm already described so far to you. And evidently, uh, you know, in the last few months, I realized we have not seen any of that. We are still engulfed in a world where we see Bitcoin as some kind of anti-government tool or used for money laundering or for speculation on exchanges. And so I really came to a uh, juncture in my career in life where I said, I'm not that proud of what I've been, um, this industry that I've been a part of. And do I want to leave entirely or do I want to do something and contribute to kind of make the story whole again? And that's the decision point that made me, you know, leave Circle and, and do my own thing. So let's talk a little bit about what you've been doing since you left Circle, sure. which is certainly 
been busy to uh, fulfill your dreams of getting the getting SV working the way you think it should work. Yeah. Um, so we started with uh, what we wanted Relay to be, and so I think our mission statement is we want to help people uh, participate in a real-time economy, which quite frankly has nothing to do with being able to onboard and offboard and buy and sell Bitcoin. That is not our mission at all. That's kind of also why we're so eager to accelerate all the building of the ramps around the world, because we have something we want to do beyond that. Core to that idea is that once you're in Relay, or quite frankly, any other wallet that is running Bitcoin SV, you now have a tool, a form of money in your hands, in your account, that can be infinitely divisible, which allows you as a user to have microtransactions all over the place. So uh, that is kind of where we see a a future of. So specific to usage, uh, there are, I think, brilliant people who live in Rwanda or elsewhere in Africa whose family income might be only two or three dollars a day. Right, we see that World Bank statistic, people live on $2. There's probably a, a smart kid, lots of smart kids, who, or, or young adults, who have an Android phone or something like that. And if they can start doing tasks, like answer customer service tickets, or um, you know, refer, do business development, they can be paid for a little action. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, if they made $3, that just doubled their family income. Yeah. And that's not limiting them to just doing customer service. From there, they can get school supplies to whatever, and then we might find out there are many more uh, Elon Musk or something like that. So, so some business has got to get established that will sort of put a call out for people yes. in those countries with a phone, and this is all you have to do kind of thing. Yes. Uh, and we, we think the fiat on and off ramps are the hardest part of our mission because that is putting a call out for people to process transactions. Putting out calls for people to do customer service is relatively much more simple. Right. So in the same kind of Relay app, which today people see a payment app, I think our goal and how we measure our team is how many people can start using Relay with no fiat or Bitcoin and earn money in Relay and live their life that way. And that would be possible, would it? We hope so. That's kind of what we're building for in the relatively uh, one-year time frame. That would be amazing. Jack Lou of RelayX, definitely one to watch. And finally, we'll be hearing from Brendan Lee, founder of Elas Digital. He's been involved in one of the most exciting projects in the BSV ecosystem to date. Tuvalu is on track to become the world's first paperless society. The tiny island nation in the Pacific is working with Elas Digital and Chain and Fea to create the world's first national digital ledger on blockchain. Brendan hopes the ambitious plan will inspire other governments to follow suit. I want to just ask you how I guess there must have been discussions in your team about how this is in some sense a little experiment. Well, not a little experiment, but compared to the size <laughs> of other countries, um, a kind of working model of what the future might look like. I mean, what are your thoughts about that? Uh, Look, absolutely. Um, And, you know, I'm one of my uh, kind of, um, I guess, goals or the the vision uh, for ELAS 
uh, from the beginning was that was to get into places like the United States. And and I think they have one of the most fabulous uh, or fabulously kind of diverse uh, systems of government where you have, you know, different systems at, at the county level and at the state level and at the federal level. And it's all kind of a, a competitive effort to, you know, do things, uh, find the best way of doing things. And really when you look at this MetaNet, framework and and how a national digital ledger like this can be assembled and sort of clipped in it really does allow you to approach a, a giant nation like the US and say well for you guys we we do it this way but then over here we do it that way but then at the top of all of that you still have those common documents like the constitution you know like the the bill of rights and and where you have you know, even with those documents where you have all of the signature requirements needed to create amendments and all of that sort of thing, we can build that in Bitcoin and and we can actually provide that entire framework and documentation of government in a way that's completely open and able to be scrutinized and pushed and prodded um, and and used uh, by everyone in in a giant and and diverse and, and amazing place like that. And being able to create this in Tuvalu first, I think, is is an amazing opportunity for Tuvalu, but also an amazing, I guess, example of of what's possible in a, in, a, in a microcosm at a macro scale. And I think I we're going to get a lot of scrutiny as we get further along in this project from um, not just countries in the Pacific, but countries all around the world who really I think are going to start to see that this is the way that that things are going. Everything's moving towards uh, a public ledger framework, and to understand that uh, it's possible to actually implement all of those systems of uh, not just recording law, but actually changing laws and um, running uh, democratic votes and and elections and referendums and all of these things that these tools of democracy and and civic participation that we use um, can be built and managed and audited uh, using Bitcoin as a as a tool and so it, it's for this reason that I you won't hear me talking about price or money or any of this kind of thing it's, I, I find that quite uninteresting, and and I really I think the really exciting thing that's going to happen is is not the reinvention of government. We don't need to reinvent anything. What we need to do is make it more open and transparent, and and that's what we can do here. And and so that's you know that for me is is really the the long term vision, uh, not just for Tuvalu, but you know for for everywhere and. Um, so it's a tremendous opportunity to be here at, you know, on the ground floor with the Tuvaluans who've been, you know, such wonderful participants uh, in the process. A perfect use case from paradise. Tuvalu may just be the first of many countries moving towards a digital ledger framework. And there we have our three exciting visionaries developing game-changing solutions on Bitcoin SV. Next week, we're going to be picking three more heroes when our theme will be the technologists. Who do you think they'll be? Thanks for watching this CoinGeek Conversation special. 
And please join me, Natalie Mason, again next week. Until then, goodbye.